You're listening to Divorce Literacy with the Divorce Lending Association, a divorce podcast where we dig deep into issues of divorce that center around the marital home, other real property, and divorce mortgage planning, helping divorcing homeowners and their divorce team make more informed decisions regarding home equity solutions during and after divorce. Hello, this is Wendy DeBruzen, Divorce Mortgage Planner and Certified Divorce Lending Professional with the Divorce Lending Institute and Benchmark Mortgage. And today on our podcast, we have Brian Walters with BWA Valuations, and Brian does business valuations. So I wanted to introduce him and bring him on so you guys can see kind of what value he brings to the divorce process. Um, So uh, Brian, can you give us a little background knowledge about yourself and your practice? Well, first of all, Wendy, thank you very much for doing this. It's an honor to be on your show. Background about myself, I (laughs) happen to be the world's biggest cricket fan who also does business valuations. (laughs) Um, Started doing business valuations uh, several years ago. I've had my own business now since 2007. And initially, started as a valuations and consulting company very quickly realized that the true usage of my time and the way i could best be a resource was to be in the valuation space and specifically the divorce valuation space because if you think about it these days for better or for worse one out of every two marriages ends in divorce and in most parts of texas where we are and really throughout the country the majority of the gross domestic product is, compo- is comprised of small privately held businesses. So you put those two stats together, it means that there's a fair chance that somebody who will be divorcing has a business, and that's where I come in. And that's the, the effectively, you know, from a, a community property separation standpoint, the value of the business has to be d- divided between the two sides. And my experience has been typically that the value of the business is the most contentious area of the marriage of the divorce because in most instances that's the largest asset that needs to be divided right okay so when you're so when you're looking into dividing the business or value you know uh valuing the business uh what kind of things do you what kind of documents do you get what kind of things do you look for that's a good question because you know if i were for example uh a real property valuation specialist that have to physically inspect the business or the, the, the asset. With a business valuation, I don't need to physically inspect the business, but what I do need is all the financials of the business. So to start with profit and loss statements and balance sheets for as far back as the business owner has available, typically at least five years is what I like to have. Cash flow statements, tax returns, Usually, and this happens every once in a while, the organizational documents for the business will have language that specifies how to value it in in the, uh, in the scenario where the business is being valued as part of a divorce or for whatever reason. So those are essentially the, 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 the basic items that I start with. Once you get into the process, then there becomes more aspects of the the valuation that you'll need assistance from in terms of what the client has for example financial projections that is always something that i'm going to either request from the client if they have them or if they don't have them create them myself because part of the 
the the process of valuing a business is to be able to look forward to see what likelihood the business has of being of continuing in 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 uh, into the future and then most importantly it's it's almost critical a critical part of the process to be able to communicate with the client or if the business owner is, is not the client with the business owner himself or herself to be able to have their input very honestly sometimes it's a very contentious situation let's say wife hires me and the husband is the business owner those conversations can be absolutely contentious but i have to be able to say that i receive the input of the person who owns the business as part of my analysis now obviously it it's always going to be the information i get from the business owner has to be through a filter and i have to apply my own professional judgment because sometimes you know, if there is a business owner who's divorcing, he wants the business to be worth one dollar yeah. <laughs> and forty-seven cents. And the person on the other side typically wants it to be worth much more than that. So any information that I get, I run it through the filter of what the default position is of the person who's supplying the information. But all in all, you put all of that together at analysis and at the end of the uh, end of the process, then you have evaluation that if you need to be able to do that, you can defend it in court. Yeah, I would think that there would be, I mean, I guess, is it is it court order that they have to provide it? Is what if they don't want to give you the information? Uh, can you go through, do you go through the CPA? Um, kind of what's the process? I mean, I'm gathering that if they're not being upfront or they're trying to hide some assets or things like that. That's a very good question. I ne- if I need it, I have to have it. Right. And so, you know, I'll work with the attorney who who's hide them on. I hate to hit, say who's side them on because it sounds like I'm advocating for one side versus the other. I am an external um, resource that provides that information. And whether wife hires me or husband hires me, it doesn't matter. My role is to to provide my best analysis to assist the court in understanding what the value is of the business. But in that context, I always get to the point where I am able to source the information that I need. And when I source the information, most sides or most, um, if, if it's an ad- adversarial type of scenario, I work with the attorney. The attorney will work with the other attorney and say, hey, look, Mr. Walters needs these items for the valuation. Would you please provide them? If they refuse, then it becomes a court order issue. And, you know, if it goes all the way to that point that the court has to step in and say the business valuation specialist needs these documents to perform his work, that makes my antenna go up because there had to have been a reason why things were being hidden as long as they were why they were reluctant to to, to uh, pass the, the documentation over so under those circumstances to the second question that you ask then it essentially tells me that i need to look a little bit deeper behind the surface because if you're working that hard to make sure that i don't see these documents then that to me that means that there's something there that is worth um worth digging for and frankly Part of the process involves digging through the financials anyway. You don't accept what's provided to you by the client at face value or by the business owner at face value. But in an adversarial situation where the person does not want to provide the documentation, then that even underscores the need for me to be a little bit more fastidious with with being able to do that research. So at that point, do you... um... 
you know, do you re do you look for other sources to assist you like forensic uh, accountant or do you yourself have to start digging into bank statements and things like that? I, I, I know enough about accounting to be dangerous. I'm not a CPA. I have very good resources that I can call on if the scenario, excuse me, if the scenario demands that a forensic accountant be employed. For example, a good CDFA is a certified divorce financial analyst is always a good person to have in your back pocket. I know a couple, one I'll talk about specifically, Amy Adler, I've known her for several years and she's top of the line as far as that specific type of work is concerned. And if the need is to dig into bank statements and you know trace the flow of funds into and out of accounts, that's not a service that I provide and neither would I want to. That, that's yeah. extremely tedious accounting work, but it need, if it needs to be done, then I can rely on somebody like Amy Adler to do that. But yeah. beyond that, you know, my own professional judgment is typically good enough to identify when something does not appear to be on the up and up. And then if I need to deploy that resource, it's something that I, I'm able to do. Yeah, I actually did already interview Amy. She's awesome. Ah. She said you guys were yin and yang. I mean, y'all work very well together. So she had only wonderful things to say about you and vice versa. So um, that's great. I mean, having those relationships are so important to work together. Um, mm -hmm. So, you know, every I'm sure every case is different. Everybody has their own unique journey in the process. Um, sure. If you could give any... Um, any, if you could change anything or any, give any kind of heads up to someone just starting down this path um, with the business involved, what would it be? If I had a dollar for each person who said to me, I wish I had known that your profession existed when I got divorced, then I wouldn't need to work. Yeah. Because what, what I see a lot of is where somebody might say, for example, my husband says that the business is not worth anything and he it doesn't it's not worth valuing and you take that word that person's word for it you don't get a second chance to 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 make that decision a second time and it is so critical that you avail yourself of all the information that is available to you because for the person who says uh this business is not really worth anything what they're really saying is this business is probably worth something because if I was trying to sell it, I would not just say it to the prospective buyer, oh, it's not really worth anything. So there, there is go. value there. <laughs> right. The reality is I need to be able to understand what the value of the business is. And so very frankly, my compensation is not in any way tied to the value that I am able to provide. And I want to make that clear, but it is very often that in a scenario where, uh, husband says the business is worth nothing. When we go forward and do evaluation, it is almost always the case that the business really is worth something. And then, you know, business valuations are not cheap, but at the same time, in the grand scheme of things, and with the caveat that in no way is my compensation tied to the value that I am able to provide, in the grand scheme of things, the investment into a business valuation is almost always worth it, given what comes out on the other side is valuable, uh, a valuable asset that will be divided between <clears throat> two spouses 
Whereas in the past or before the decision was made, the, the impression was that there was no value there. So I guess the bottom line would be make sure to avail yourself of all the resources that you have. And even if husband and wife or spouses are at the beginning of the process, you know, if it's friendly enough that you can sort of stipulate to some things, that's sort of a dangerous scenario to be in because in the process of stipulating to anything, you can sometimes stipulate to something that is out of your knowledge base. And if you stipulate to the value of a business, for most people, the value of a business is out of their knowledge base. So essentially, you'd be stipulating to something that you don't have the capability of stipulating to. So the bottom line would really just be to avo avoid that type of scenario by availing your, yourself to have all the information that you need to go through that process. Yeah. And I, having gone through a divorce myself 20, oh God, almost 20, almost 25 years ago or so, oh. he did have a business. Mm. I, you know, it had only been like a year since he's had it and he owned it with his dad. So I, I didn't even touch it, you know, now go, going back and, and revisiting or rethinking about it. I'm like, I probably should have at least figured out what the value was because, mm -hmm. But at that point I had kids involved. I just was like, yeah, I sure. just want to be done, you know? So, you know, it, it, it doesn't hurt to, to, to at least, you know, find out and have all the knowledge that to make that decision on, on what you want to do and exactly. what you feel like is, is in the best interest of yourself and any children that are involved. So um, mm -hmm. as far as like what to look for, like when someone is just starting down the path is um, in choosing a, you know, someone to do a business valuation, uh, what would you recommend as far as, you know, this podcast? I mean, you're in Austin, I'm in Austin. This mm -hmm. podcast is nationwide. So what would you, what would you recommend as far as some, what to look for uh, when choosing a business valuation company? I would say always choose me. Yeah. <laughs> <Yeah>. Do you <laughs> work joking. in all the States or just Texas or does it matter? It does not matter. I've done okay. valuations for clients in Alaska. It, there, there is no physical boundary to where I can work. I can work anywhere. But yeah. if, 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 if not, just choose me. Yeah. Then choose someone with whom you have confidence that that person will be able to stand behind their work up to and including defending it in court. That is a relatively low bar, to be honest, because our work by definition, assists the court with understanding anything related to the value of a business. What you don't want to do is choose somebody who will in any way advocate for one side versus the other. And, you know, very honestly, there are some people in the industry here in Austin and also nationwide who are less about being able to be an objective resource and more about hewing to the side of the person who hired them. That is extremely dangerous because if you go into court with a case, and I've had this happen, you've had a case where evaluation was done that it was clearly designed to assist the other side. You can be made to look absolutely foolish when you're on the witness stand because it becomes very obvious. If there's somebody on the other side like me who can point out Okay, these eight decisions were made specifically not from objective evidence, but from with the objective of helping the other person. 
and you have to defend that under oath, it is a really uncomfortable situ uh, situation for you. Yeah. So the bottom line would be you have to have a comfort level that you are the analogy I always use is that you're all you're hiring an umpire and you're not hiring a coach. An umpire will call balls and strikes. And sometimes you get mad at the umpire, but you know that the umpire is doing his best to make sure that everything is on the up and up. If you hire a coach, a coach may overlook some things that would put you in a bad light and sort of accentuate things that would put you in a good light. But you don't want to carry that type of a document in front of a judge. So the bottom line is you need to be able to hire somebody who is committed to the objective of being able to get to the true value of a business, regardless yeah. of who it helps or hurts. And completely neutral. And, and I'm the same way with, with my business. It's like, I'm, I'm a financial neutral. I'm, mm -hmm. you know, yes, one client might, you know, use, utilize my services to determine, you know, what their options are. But at the same sure. time, when it comes down to it, I'm just, I'm being neutral. I'm not going to yes. give legal advice. I'm sure you don't give legal advice because we're not <laughs> licensed for that, but exactly. you know, we can assist. Right. Um, and so do you have any, like, well, first question, do you, have you actually, um, or have you actually been on the witness stand as an expert witness before? Oh, sure. It's, yeah. you know, the vast majority of cases that with which I'm involved um, are resolved before it gets to that stage, but there have been several times where I've had to testify. Um, I will tell you that if your mindset as a valuation specialist is once I sign my name to this document, I'm saying that I'm ready to defend it in court. If that's your mindset, then, you know, testifying in court is not something that isn't in any way overwhelming. You, know, you do have butterflies. Anybody would have butterflies if they're being, you know, there's an attorney on the other side who's trying to undercut their testimony. But if you hew to the standards of the profession, and again, if you made sure that everything that you did was designed specifically to get an objective view of the value of the business without bias, then you're generally going to be okay. Yeah. Any memorable cases that you've worked on? There was one case, you know, I mentioned earlier that there is uh, some people who will just slap a number together to help the other side. There was a case, obviously we're not calling the names, but valuation specialist on the other side approached both attorneys before, um, before the case got going and said, hey, look, let's just make sure that we take the value of the business off the table i'll just i'll do his, his literal words were i'll do a quick and dirty valuation and then you can take the value of the business off the table so one side said yeah we'll accept the quick and dirty the other side said no we're not going to accept the document that's being labeled quick and dirty right I'm so, like, why is that even a <laughs> phrase in any type of law case that's crazy so, so I was hired by the side that did not want the quick and dirty. Needless to say, my value was entirely different from the quick and dirty version. Yeah. And there was such a big gap between the two that it could not be resolved in mediation. We had several different, I was deposed twice in the case, once for five hours, the other for three hours. My own um, opinion is that they realized that they were going, they were swimming upstream with the valuation that they had. So they had to attempt in some way to undercut mine. But we went all the way to court. I testified. When we were testifying in court, when the opposing um, valuation specialist was put on stage, on stage, on the witness stand, <laughs> the attorney said, did you or did you not say to me, 
I will give you a quick and dirty valuation. <laughs> and he had to answer in court. Yes, I did say that I would give you a quick and dirty valuation. When I got on the witness stand, the attorney whose, whose side I was representing said, Mr. Walters, have you ever been asked to provide a quick and dirty valuation? <laughs> and how can you not laugh? I mean, <laughs> it was I mentioned that those days can go badly for you. That yeah. was probably his worst day. Yeah. Because he was made to defend that statement over and over and over again. And needless to say, after a very long time, and I'm skipping several of the details, yeah, the judgment was on our side. Because if you're going to go into court with a document that's essentially labeled quick and dirty, then the results are what they are. Well, and I'm sure that the credibility was shot at that point as well. So... Yeah. So don't cut corners when no. you're trying to do this. You know, it's worth every penny that you spend, I'm sure, to have it done right and no quick and dirties. Um, <laughs> crazy. <laughs> Any important lessons that you've learned throughout your career <clears throat> besides not doing quick and dirties? <laughs> that would be the first one. <laughs> the second would be really just frankly that professionalism takes you a long way. Yeah, And you don't need to be a business valuation specialist to understand the value, no pun intended, of just being a professional. And a professional yeah. means being able to get the information that you need, synthesize it in the way that you need, interact with all the professional, the other professionals, the attorneys, the CPAs, the, the uh, CDFAs, anybody else in that little sort of field that is assisting the client. Interact with them in such a way that at the end of the engagement, they will say, you know what, that person knew what he was doing and he was professional. I want to use him again. Yeah. And yeah. so for me, it, you know, yes, I'm a good valuation specialist, but it's beyond that. For me, being a good, a solid all-round professional is always going to be a good way of bu building credibility in, in, the, in the profession and building credibility is something that you have to have as a business valuation specialist. Yeah. Well, this has all been great. Um, I really appreciate you taking the time to, you know, tell us about what you do and some some of your experiences. Um, how would someone who might need your services? How would they reach out to you? Easiest way would be through my website at bwavaluations.com. I can also be reached by telephone at 855, excuse me, 855-924-3979. Generally, if you reach out, we will get back in touch with you within a couple of hours. So there's um, being able to respond expeditiously is one of the, the aspects of my business that I'm very uh, stringent about. I make sure that somebody needs a service, they're being, they're available or we are available to them as soon as they need it. Awesome. Brian Walters, you're awesome. I'm sure that, uh, and you have, uh, you are a cricket umpire. So that also teaches you to be neutral, right? So, what a great tie-in. Yes, absolutely. I got to get into some cricket. I got, I'm very interested in it now. So I'm going to start looking it up. But. Well, just so you know, Major League Cricket starts in this country July 13th. Okay, so, I'll put it on my calendar. Put it on the calendar. And if you're anywhere close to the Dallas-Fort Worth area, it's going to be at the old, uh, it's in Flower Mound at the stadium that used to be a baseball stadium that is now being converted into a cricket stadium. So that's bring awesome. your kids, you'll have fun. 
Yeah. Any final thoughts to leave us with today? Final thoughts would be just very much thank you because this is what you're doing is extremely important. Being a resource for people who are in this typical situation. I'll tell you what, we can sometimes be so jaded as to not recognize that people who need our services, yours and mine, are likely going through the most painful time of their lives. And so my heart goes out to anyone who is in that situation, but know that after the pain of the situation, after that pain has gone through, then there is light at the other end of the tunnel. So for sure, um, for you and what you're doing, thank you. And for anybody who's going through this process, just know that, you know, after the rain comes the sunshine, as they say. Yep. There, there is hope and there is help. Well, thank you so much, Brian. I appreciate your time. Thank you so much, Wendy. See you soon. All right. Bye. Thanks for listening to Divorce Literacy. Discover more strategies and solutions on divorce mortgage planning at divorcelendingassociation.com.